Welcome to the second Music Tourist Podcast. My name is Olaf Furness, and in 2016, I hosted the world's first international music tourism conference. I'm also the founder of the Y Days Convention, a member of the Scottish Tourist Guides Association, and the co-writer of Under the Radar, Scotland's longest-running newspaper column dedicated to emerging artists. This podcast shines a spotlight on great examples of where music and tourism converge. And for the first episode, I was in Montreal to speak to Ruby Roy, founder of the Leonard Cohen Tour. This time, I'm in Stockholm, where I caught up with Caroline Fagerlind, head of exhibitions at ABBA the Museum, a multimedia extravaganza which has established itself as one of the city's leading visitor attractions since it opened in 2013. You can find out more at abathemuseum.com. Today I'm with Carolina Fogerlund, or Fogerlind, um, and we're here in what was formerly the ABBA Hotels, now the Backstage Hotel, just next door to the ABBA Museum. And I guess we are in the Gold Room, if I'm not mistaken. That is correct. Welcome, Carolina. Um, you started out as a researcher on the ABBA Museum. Now you're head of exhibitions and you've seen the whole process right through from beginning to, well, beginning and concept right, I wouldn't say the end, but right to what we have now. You're the perfect person, I think, to describe what the process was like, how it all came together and where, um, what inspired the, the exhibition and its contents. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Um, so the idea of an ABBA museum came from a, a private um, uh, initiative and couple um, back in 2005, approximately, uh, where this person uh, worked with uh, Benny Anderson at his um, Hotel Rival in Stockholm as a PR consultant. And um, she, um, she heard about tourists that came to the reception asking for an ABBA museum, and there was none. So she asked Benny to, uh, maybe we can put some ABBA boots in the reception of the hotel. Uh, that would be a fun thing. And he was like, no, I don't think so. We shouldn't, uh, um, we shouldn't uh, have the ABBA and the hotel just being separately. Uh, but she um, she didn't give up on the thought that uh, it would be the perfect fit for Stockholm to have an ABBA museum. So she kept on asking the four members and uh, the whole concept and thought of it uh, was rather to have a museum. It feels very dated to have a museum uh, when you are artist and very live and kicking uh, as persons and members so uh, initiatives they said nay uh, no to the idea however she uh, she intended to uh, keep, keep on asking and uh, I think that's the right way to do it when you really truly believe in something you shouldn't give up so um, they later uh, formed the concept together with creative director Ingrid Halling, who is still working with the exhibition. 
and it went to the more interactive part, like becoming the fifth member and experiencing the ABBA story as a fifth member and walking through the footsteps and the ABBA members were okay with that. So uh, uh, taking it on tour uh, 2010 and then permanently here in Stockholm. When did it land in Stockholm then? It landed in Stockholm permanently in May 2013. Uh, so we are celebrating 10 years anniversary uh, this year. So uh, a, a great uh, jubilee year is, is ahead of us. Uh, and we're very, very grateful for that. So I'll come to your, your plans for the future and what, what is in the pipeline for the next year or two. But before I do that, I was really interested in if there were any guiding principles around the exhibition, were there any things that you said from the outset had to be in there, any things that the band in particular wanted to leave out, and really any things that um, were, were perhaps uh, contested between the, the mm. curators and, and the band members? Mm. The band members has been very much involved um, in the creation of the exhibition um, and it was always said that it has to be a fun place to go through, it has to be interactive parts in the exhibition. So uh, showing the objects and the original items but in a funny way uh, so that it becomes rather a storytelling throughout the exhibition that you are involved in. Um, that was very important part for, for the members as well. And in the beginning, in 2013, when we opened the exhibition, it was a combination uh, in Swedish music as well. So it was a very important part for the members from the get-go to involve Swedish music history and that ABBA is a part of that. Um, and we showed Swedish music exports from the, um, the 20s until today, uh, including Roxette and Ace of Base and Robin and uh, large names in, in the music industry from Sweden as well. Um, but in 2018, we uh, developed uh, an exhibition called Post ABBA. And now we tell the full story about ABBA from the 60s until today. That was one of the things that I really enjoyed about it was the, the fact that you got this historical context. You, you realized that these were musicians who didn't have overnight success. It seemed like that mm. because of Eurovision, but mm. the reality was that they'd been, they'd been playing all these, uh, these summer parks mm. Um, mm. For, for years, really earning their stripes. And when ABBA came along, they'd, they'd already been at it for a long time. And the other really strong observation for me was that you didn't have to be uh, an ABBA obsessive. You could be someone who appreciated their role in musical history and liked some of their songs, but 
it wasn't something where if you were if you didn't like Cab at all, you couldn't come out of it having had a good experience. Was that was that something that was really taken into consideration when the exhibition or the the museum rather was was being planned? Yes, definitely so. And uh, I had the privilege to work very closely to creative director Ingmarie about this and and how she uh, together with the team set it all up uh, as the environments that you walk through because to have that whole story uh, and be able to be fan first uh, in, in all that sense but also give the experience to people uh, that are not ABBA fans and how can you show that music and the producing of the music or the music business uh, with the Polar office and uh, these parts are all connected. The music videos produced by Lasse Hallström, how did they promote their self uh, back in the day and showing all those memories around the exhibition, I think that takes the visitors uh, through uh, a memory lane um, in order to feel like the 70s, what happened 1974, and think about the, the whole story from the 60s until today in all that sense. So definitely there's a lot of uh, things in the museum that are interactive. They uh, tend to uh, create a sense of creativity for uh, next generation as well. Uh, we really feel that this exhibition makes that role and that it accomplished the way that uh, it was supposed to be. Um, and even better than that, because you cannot expect how um, visitors will will um, will think about it or experience it. So. I was I, the year I I visited the first time. There was a there was a strong focus on Eurovision, and I believe that the exhibitions do change. So you have the core mm. component, but there there are different themes or different focuses. Um, how often do you change the the temporary element of the yeah. of the museum? We think it's very important to uh, to change and update the exhibition. Um, we uh, get very much items and donations from visitors. It could be costumes uh, that we would like to show or uh, instruments in the polar studio, etc. So uh, when we do get these uh, objects, we uh, create something about them uh, as a special story. and. Uh, always uh, being up to date as of the technical parts, uh, what is new, um, how can we use the technical parts to tell the story even better and adapt accordingly. So that's that's, that's a really interesting part. point actually because mm. I when I visited the first time I was really struck by how advanced the the technology was on the interactive level and it's worth mentioning that you're also in charge of the Avicii experience which is which is a bit newer and when I I went there I was like wow there's mm -hmm. VR in here as well so it's yeah. that element of how you keep on top of the technology and you know to what extent is that something that um 
you're involved in or is there someone that that goes to all these different interactive tech conferences and comes back and says oh wow you should check this out we should have this in the museum yeah um, so I think both ways because um, we have a, a product development team um, currently based in London that we are collaborating with on those parts um, and they come from the uh, Harry Potter studio uh, world and when we have this creative meetings and sessions planning uh, ahead five-year plan uh, we are looking at what can we create and have as a tool uh, with the technical platforms so the storytelling always comes first uh, in in the sense of creating the exhibition or changing the exhibition and um, when we know what story to tell or with which theme to show, then we layer the platform and the technical devices that we need to, to enhance that story. So we always start with the why. Uh, why shall we tell this story? And why do the visitors want to see this? Uh, and then we create it um, due to that. Uh, and it's important to, uh, I think, uh, have something new and updated to show uh, because we cannot change the story. The story is there, but we can show it in a different way and from a different angle. And now since obviously they did release a new album since they said they wouldn't, <laughs> Uh, so we do not trust them anymore uh, so uh, after 40 years they did and we are very very uh, happy they did because um, uh, we as a museum can keep telling that story and um, so we are um, opening a new exhibition uh, coming uh, this 6th of May um, to celebrate the 10 years anniversary uh, so we um, we keep uh, adding the temporary part every other year. Um, so there's always something new to to see. How involved are the the band in that creative development or the continuing creative development of the museum? They are. Um, so uh, in those creative meetings, uh, we always speak to Bjorn Elvius, who is one of the owners. Uh, and then it's uh, off to uh, improvement and involvement with the rest of the members as well. Uh, and always uh, knowing that Polar Music is uh, the ambassadors and, and owners of, of the museum. So everything we want to do um, is uh, officially approved by, by um, Polar and ABBA. Do they ever pick up the phone and say, you know, I was just clearing out my summer house and I, I found this amazing outfit. I thought it would be good to put in the next exhibition. Actually, uh, Bjorn did that the other week. Uh, uh, and you never know what you're going to get. So uh, he was calling and said, I, I found this uh, in my house and maybe it's relevant to the museum. And I was like, yeah, let's have a look. And uh, often it's a uh, very nice object that we can use. Um, it's gold records and everything. And it's definitely a work parallel to showing the objects in the museum. We have an archive uh, saving this for uh, forever uh, and years to come. So we are building this database with original items and 
owners to the items, etc. So, um, I mean, keeping it for afterlife as well, because it's a cultural treasure uh, for, for everyone to see. And I think there's a survey that says 40% of visitors to Stockholm said they were coming to Stockholm because of the museum, which I find incredible. Um, that's I mean, 40% of visitors. Is that is that from abroad or is that just in general? Does it include Sweden and the, the rest of Scandinavia? It's mostly from abroad. Um, so we did that survey quite recently and... We were very proud uh, that uh, they said, yeah, that 40% said that they came to Stockholm because of ABBA the Museum. Um, and we feel um, uh, ownership in that sense that we as a, a museum uh, are welcoming that much, you know, uh, visitors and um, how they see and feel about Sweden and, and Stockholm per se. Um, so keeping up that service level and, and talking to the staff about it, uh, it's very important for us. And we, uh, we also know that uh, in, a, in a regular month, we welcome over a hundred different countries in, in one month. So that says a lot about um, uh, welcoming uh, to, to Stockholm and Sweden. And how many people on average visit in a month? It depends on the high season and low season. Um, we have had uh, our, our highest score in July was 60,000 people in one month. And uh, when we had that, uh, we tend to uh, decrease the slot times just so that the visitors feel that they can really take their time and uh, see the museum in, in their pace. Um, because the, the, the visit of the museum is very much about you can go through it in half an hour if you want. And you can also spend four hours. Uh, so it's really built upon it's um, always something different to see or read about and um, as well the the audio guide with where the four members is is talking you hear their personal stories throughout the museum and and that's quite unique for a music museum to have the four um, members and the members of the band speaking their story uh, about uh, about their history do you, do you know roughly how many people have visited since it opened? 2.3 million visitors since it's opened. And are there any economic impact studies? I mean, if 40% of those 2.3 million visitors well, are coming for the museum. <laughs> it should be. Uh, we, um, we took a part in a, um, a survey 2014. So it was very close to the opening of the museum where online travel agencies and travel agencies throughout the world has nominated uh, ABBA, the museum as a, a highly visited uh, destination and that the ABBA museum contributed to uh, something that they named the ABBA tourism where they had measured uh, that the uh, current ABBA tourists spend longer in the city uh, and visits very many uh, destinations. Uh, so both uh, hotel nights and, and other destinations that, that they went to uh, visit. So yeah. I think this is something that really first 
piqued my interest in music tourism because in the late 90s, early noughties, I was going to all these different music festivals in cities like Sona and Barcelona, for example, and um, I would always stay an extra night and go and check out other cultural sites. Or if I went to Airwaves in Iceland, I would go on a on a tour or go and visit a glacier mm. or something. And I think mm. that's often been something that's really undervalued or underestimated by cities or countries or destination marketing organizations. From the outset, did you have Visit Stockholm and Visit Sweden on board or was that something that, that came later once you had the figures to back up what you were doing? No, they were very much involved at, at the get-go. Um, I, I really believe, and it's different with Abba the Museum compared to the Avicii experience, I would say. Um, speaking about ABBA as uh, such a large phenomenon uh, in the world, um, Visit Sweden and Visit Stockholm was right away speaking about this. Um, when we opened Avicii Experience, that was not the same uh, feeling from the uh, from the city. Uh, so when uh, when I took over the the responsibility of of Avicii Experience, that was my my first initiative thought was to combine the exhibitions and speak about the Abba Museum and the Avicii Experience in one and the same um, uh, forum because of the. Uh, musical export and the large value to the city and in that sense from Sweden. It's an interesting point. I mean, we because we've only got half an hour today, <laughs> I am going to come back and interview you perhaps in the summer about the Avicii experience because yeah. that to me is, I imagine, a different demographic as well. Um, yes. Where with, with ABBA, I, I would assume at least that there's a lot of people who are coming to Sweden with, you know, are well off enough to, to come on a holiday and spend a lot of money on hotels. Um, whereas with Avicii, I'm assuming that it's perhaps a younger audience that might be passing through as backpackers or their parents might have brought them. I could be entirely wrong. So, <laughs> But rather than focus on Avicii, I was really interested mm. um, in who your audience is. I mean, mm. who, who comes to the ABBA Museum mm. and also who stays in the, the backstage hotel? Mm. And can you do both? Can you sell packages for those? Yeah, we do, yeah. So we package with the hotel for sure. And uh, for the ABBA Museum, we have approximately 80% tourism. Um, and for the Avicii experience, it's 50-50. So it's um, quite locally based uh, demographically compared to the ABBA Museum. And uh, we did initiate a combination ticket for the both exhibitions. And that goes very well because they tend to want to experience the Swedish music export. And Avicii uh, was such an icon of his time. and. The stories are very much um, alike in some way and different in some ways, uh, definitely. So uh, speaking about both musical histories in Sweden in that sense, um, it's very important to enlighten both of them. Do the 80% then, if they're 80% tourists, that mm. means that you've got 
20% locals, the domestic audience. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. And is there uh, an average age? Is there uh, a typical visitor to the museum or is it right across the board? Yeah, we have um, a couple of years ago, it was uh, sort of in the 35 to 50s uh, of age and now we are seeing uh, demographically a younger generation uh, approaching Avala Museum and that's very nice for us to see because we have adapted to um, uh, and wanting to reach out to the next generation and uh, our marketing strategy is to uh, get the target group how do we connect with the next generation uh, when we are speaking about ABBA and the, their history and what we see now is that coming from the Mamma Mia the movie, Mamma Mia the party, opening up in Stockholm, then Gothenburg and London, uh, we see the next generation coming from that and I really believe that ABBA is um, being something that the younger generation are talking about. I was speaking to my son the other night, he's 12, and he was uh, telling me that his friends at school loves ABBA. They're listening to ABBA um, always and was very impressed that his mother worked at the ABBA Museum. <laughs> wow. That's, uh, so I have a point uh, there in, in his uh, school. <laughs> that's interesting. As, I mean, how did you, how do you target that younger demographic then? Was there a specific approach to the marketing that you yes, undertook? Yes, yeah. So we started, um, we started uh, writing about in our ads, um, we started with the family activities uh, where they could do quizzes around the museum. Uh, we were speaking more about the uh, producing of the music uh, and how they uh, came about that. Um, and uh, speaking about different artists that has been involved uh, and do, did collaborations with, with ABBA uh, so they can relate to that. Um, for example, um, you can reach out to, um, I mean, Foo Fighters uh, loves ABBA. And when you speak about other very large artists that uh, talk about ABBA in, in that sense, um, they tend to listen. <laughs> Have you had any celebrity, I mean, obviously ABBA, but, and I imagine a lot of Swedish musicians, but... Mm. Have you had any particular celebrity guests engage with the museum? We have had, um, I mean, the Swedish Queen uh, has, has been here, um, but also uh, uh, Mick Jagger, um, when he um, uh, wanted to create his own exhibition, uh, he was here talking to Ingmar Halling as a creative director and uh, taking a tour around the museum and, and seeing what we did with the with the place uh, and he, he really took uh, inspiration from that to, to to his exhibition and I mentioned earlier that you'd renamed the hotel backstage hotel which makes a lot of sense because we're <laughs> here in Stockholm on an island with an amusement park next to it where there are lots of subsidized summer concerts I saw the pixies here um, well, I'm looking out the window and <laughs> looking on a roller coaster and I saw the pixies here in the summer while a roller coaster was, was going around the, the main concert area. And 
the, I was really interested in how the hotel fits into the the overall the overall scheme of things. Um, you mentioned that there there's packages mm-hmm. um, and you you have now have artists who are are playing um, next door coming to stay in the hotel. Where does it fit into the whole the whole process? I think I mean initially. Um... There are two uh, different uh, entities, uh, but in collaboration-wise, it's very important, I think, for a destination to have a hotel uh, nearby, since we have so many visitors coming from abroad and visiting for quite some days. Uh, they um, they tend to choose um, to stay here and, and walk through the different destinations around Djurgården because there's uh, various of um, destinations to visit around Djurgården. It's a very special place. It's in the city, uh, but it feels like it's outside of the city and in a good way. So um, having uh, the privilege to be connected to this hotel as a backstage hotel, and then also the uh, Hasselbacken just across the street, uh, also owned uh, and operated by by uh, Bjorn Elias and the company. Yeah. And for those of you who are ABBA fans, I just have to say that we are surrounded <laughs> by a variety of gold CDs. So if you did stay here, just because the names changed, you will still get an ABBA experience. I'm even looking at the, the table, which is a, a giant record with ABBA gold on it. So you won't be disappointed if you come to, to stay in the hotel. Now, I'm conscious that you have to leave soon, so I want to fast forward a bit into recent history. And obviously the pandemic hit lots of uh, lots of travel destinations, even though mm. Sweden, compared to a lot of other countries, was a lot more pragmatic um, around the mm. pandemic rules. Did you have to close during the pandemic? Yes. Uh, right. Yeah, yeah. So we... We closed for, uh, I think in total, it was 200 days. Um, and uh, we saw that, uh, I mean, the visitors uh, didn't come and the flights were canceled and um, everything around you was was just uh, insecurity of, of how to handle the situation. So um, we have this collaboration with other museums as well. and. We, we took the decision as a common decision, even though we are a private sector. Um, it, was, um, it was the best thing to do, uh, we felt at the moment, um, to be able to uh, tend to the security to our staff and, and to our visitors. So for 200 days, we were closed. Um, and um, during that time, um, we could uh, however work some hours uh, to be able to uh, prepare for when do we we open up and and do that risk analysis uh, analysis to uh, see what roles do we need first and what do we uh, what buttons do we push first yeah 
And you, you also launched a, an abattoir in the in the area around that time, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, we did. We did two um, or various uh, initiatives during that that period of time. Um, since we couldn't welcome the the guest uh, inside, we um, uh, created this outside tour, um, Abba the Museum Walk. Uh, so, um, and and it's still it's still running. So it was an initiative took during the pandemic that worked really well and and is still going so i just met the guide um downstairs actually today so um and that tour takes you around the the beautiful yu gordon uh, and it's uh visit at the museum uh, and then you take the tour outside uh to places related to abba uh, in in the um uh, in the nearby um, environment so uh, it's a it's a very nice product to to be able to give to the visitors and we also did uh, a quiz a digital quiz together with the Vasa Museum uh, because it's very close to to Alba the Museum and uh, we did a, a collaboration during the pandemic so um, we uh, spoke to this uh, app development company and um, they created a, a outside quiz tour um, for free to for everyone to use and, and just have fun uh, because we needed to do something for them um, uh, but we can't let them in. <laughs> I, I love the idea that you combine ABBA with uh, a ship that was <laughs> sunk centuries ago and brought back up yes. to the surface. I love that collaboration because it's, I mean, Vasa was, was the greatest disaster in Sweden history and ABBA was the greatest success in, in the history of, of Sweden. So uh, it worked out very well. Well, I guess there's a kind of metaphor of triumph in adversity mm. and I think that the tour and the quiz are are examples of that mm. and mm. I mean before we finish I, I'm really curious as to what you've got in the pipeline obviously the 10th anniversary mm. is coming up and mm. um, we've talked about all the different types of uh, technologies that are, are updated mm. what what can visitors expect in the the immediate future and also in the the next couple of years yeah, so um, um, we recently had this uh, workshop where we were planning um, the five years ahead uh, and the storytelling that we want to tell. So, um, and um, I can tell you it's, it's going to be great, <laughs> but I can't say uh, more than that. And also um, uh, opening up a new exhibition at, and on the 6th of, of May this year. Uh, and it's the temporary exhibition um, that that we use, uh, that we tend to, to develop uh, every other year, um, as well as planning uh, a lot around the 10 years anniversary. Um, and uh, I can tell you that we are uh, discussing how to now create a party button in the shop. So stay tuned. <laughs> okay, a party button. Uh, what, muse what music museum uh, doesn't have a party button in the shop? And uh, so we have to do that. And is there a, can you reveal anything about this, what you're going to do in May? I mean, can you give us a hint what the exhibition is going to involve? Uh, I can tell you that um, it will definitely be a subject that is on everyone's lips right now, uh, innovation-wise, uh, in, in the history of, of ABBA. Okay. So that, that I will 
leave to you. Right, the, <laughs> the mind boggles. Well, uh, Carolina, thanks so much for your time and Thank uh, you. thanks for hosting us here in the hotel. Thank you so much. Thanks to Chuck P for production and Kelman Greek for the sound bed. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share and like it. And if you want to get in touch, my email is olaf at musictourist.net. LinkedIn and YouTube are simply Music Tourist, while Instagram is The Music Tourist. Thank you for listening.